Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. It's almost like I feel like I don't have to do anything. This is just like worship is amazing. And by the way, Heidi's first time playing keys on band. How amazing. I, I mean, she's just incredible. She surprises well, herself especially, but she is so incredibly gifted. And I'm not just saying that because she's my wife, but, um, but yeah, and I was just joking with her before that she should play every weekend, and she just gave me this look like, I will kill you if I do play every weekend. But, um, but yeah, it's uh, so good to be in church. It's so good to have the sunshine for almost a whole week. I think there's, there was clouds for like one day maybe, but, um, but it's been a really, really good week. And uh, I'm here to continue our Hello Possible series. Oh, that's a new one. Ah, I like that one. It's Hello Possible. So we're talking about, this is where we talk about prayer and how we access the things of God, which we may sometimes think are impossible. So we actually say Hello Possible because the possibility lies not in our effort, but in God's willingness and faithfulness to provide. So we say in this house that when we seek God, we actually seek the God of the impossible for what is impossible with us is not impossible with God. And, uh, and I really believe that. And um, it's been framed around this scripture in um, Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles chapter 7. Now, what happened here is Solomon, he's just completed the project of building God's temple. His father, David, wanted to do it. But God said to him, there's too much blood in your hands, but your son Solomon will do it instead. And Solomon meets with God for the second time. And it says this in Second Chronicles 7 um, and verse 12. And it says, Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I've heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up, the hev- shut up heaven and there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or pestilence among my people, I, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin and heal their land. And we've been focusing on the last two verses for our series. Um, and it says, for now my eyes will be open, my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Isn't that amazing? That God's name is on this house. His authority, his renown is on this house and he'll be there continually. Um, and where I'm going to draw my um, message this morning is from the message version of verse 14. If you can put it up on the screen for me. Thank you, Anthea. And, um, and it says here in Second um, Chronicles 7.14, it says, And my people, my God-defined people, respond by humbling themselves, praying, seeking my presence, and turning their backs on their wicked lives. I'll be there ready for you. I'll listen from heaven, forgive their sins, and restore their land to health. And that's a promise that exists over this church and for you and I this morning. And the title of my message this morning is entitled, Ready for You. Ready for You. You see, there are things that God has prepared ready for you. And, and it's our joy. It's, I think Pastor Kevin preached in this earlier this year. He said, it's the joy of God, the glory of God. I think it's in 
um, Proverbs 25, the glory of God to conceal something, but the glory of kings to search it out. And he has given us things ready for us that we have the pleasure of searching out, of seeking out, of discovering for ourselves and inheriting these things as his people. And that's what we're, we're going to go and go today. Um, but uh, I'm glad that's not my one. But, um, <laughs> but I am... Um, I had a really good week this week, and I know it's been sunny, but one particular thing happened for me, which, um, which is quite landmark, uh, a landmark for me, and I, I really honestly couldn't say I foresaw this day, but I turned 30 on Tuesday. Thank you, thank you. I don't look a day over 29, I really don't, but, um, but, um, but 12 years ago, sorry to do maths on a Sunday morning, but 12 years ago, I turned 18, and um, what I... I decided to do when I turned 18 is I decided to work in the nightclub and bar industry. So I I just don't know what it was, but I just wanted to work in the bars. So the week before my uh, 18th birthday, I applied to a few. And and, um, after in July, I got um, a call back from Chicago Rock, which used to be there. Now it's the Capitol building, whatever else is there now. But um, but so I started working there and and, and I enjoyed working um, in the bar. And it was quite a social time. And even though it was like a, it was like um like an older person's place, like an 80s club. So um, I never heard the Dirty Dancing soundtrack so many times in my life apart from working there. But, um, but after I stopped working there, I started working the security work. And, and that's like, um, that was a whole different ball game entirely. But, but I found there's some benefits with that. So not only did I get, um, not only did I get like, you know, you have friends and like when you know, when you go to the people that you want to serve you and you get discounts and you get to skip the queue and all those sort of things. And, and I really liked that particularly when um, I worked in the, the nightclub um, as a bouncer. And uh, what I would do is I would grab a group of friends with me and then we would like skip a queue of like a hundred people. And as long as I know the person I got to get, go in with everyone else. And even if they got ID'd and or whatever, it was just like, it's all right. They're They're with me. And they'd be like, okay, I trust you. You can go in. And I used just to take people with me wherever, wherever I went. And I found that there was power in these, in, in these things where, you know, I'm, where I'm going to this is that what we get access to based on the relationships that we have. And there's favor that comes in relationship. And, and I found where I was, when I was, when I tried to do this again with somebody I didn't know, I was met with a, uh, who are you? You know, and, and, and uh, like Pastor Kevin spoken about, uh, liking to go into um, like to go into green rooms at conferences and stuff, and you just walk in boldly and you kind of like belong like you were there, but then there 's a point where somebody can just ask i 'm sorry, who are you and like, oh, no, oh i 'm a you and it 's like okay i 'm sorry, but your name is not here you 're going to have to go outside in the lobby and where they 're serving coffee and like, there 's a point where relationship is required to stay in the places of blessing. So us as God's people, we have relationship, but this relationship is required to stay in the place of blessing that God has for us. This relationship that we all freely have access to, like Simba said absolutely beautifully, he so loved the world that he gave his only son so that we should not perish, but everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. So God has already made the first move of relationship. God has already made the first step. Now, what happens in this moment is now is that God has bestowed his generous love on the entire planet. And all it takes is for us to respond. The climate of our lives is actually dictated, not what happens to us, but how we respond. 
our, our, we can actually change the climate by actually looking and saying, hey, what am I responding to? What, am I, what is getting my attention? What is, what is taking my devotion? And when we respond in the right way, we will get the right result. What are we responding to? Am I responding to, oh man, I had a 50 plus hour work this week, this week. You know, I just had an argument with my mom and dad or, or like my children are just, you know, I'm trying to get them to, to go to bed when they should, but they're not like, what are we, what are we responding to? But the, that option is in our hands, in our hands alone. What we respond to actually dictates the climate of what we live with. And to this morning that God has all invited us, whether we've been in church, whether we don't know God, whether we do know God, he has invited us to respond to him. And it says this in Deuteronomy 30, verse 15. And it says here, this is Moses talking to the people of Israel now. And he says, see, this is um, a message you got from God. And he says, see, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. So stop right there. He says, Steve, I have set before you today. Now, maybe you missed it, but I just feel in that, in that moment, there's a lot of hope for me and hope for my life that it doesn't matter, like Kat was saying, it doesn't matter the week I had. It doesn't matter how I grew up. It doesn't matter how I'm feeling. There's a still a new opportunity today. God says, today I have set before you. Today I have made ready for you good and life. And there's also death and evil. Now, why would God do that? God would do that because he is a God of love. And since he's a God of love, he will not take away our ability to choose him. So before us is, in this hand, life and good. In this hand, death and bad. We can choose whatever we respond to. And out of what we respond to, that's what we live in. In verse 16. And it says here, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes and judgments that you may live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the lands in which you go to possess. So today, choose to respond to God. I was um, in the, um, we had energy, which is our youth and uh, young adults gatherings that we, um, we do um, seasonally as uh, we, we come together. And one well, Friday night was just, it was epic. It was the first actual disco with headphones on and, and it was just cool. But anyway, like I just, it just made me feel a lot younger. So after turning 30, that's exactly what I needed. But, um, but I, was telling the, I was telling the guys how I, I came to know Jesus. And to cut a long story short, I, was, um, I didn't grow up in, in church or I didn't even consider a godly life. And I remember God spoke to me in the nightclub and I was sitting in a booth with my friends and he said, this is, the, this is not the life I have for you. So in that moment, he said a word and it drew my heart, but it wouldn't be anything if I didn't respond in that moment. He didn't speak to me and then I just blacked out and then woke up on this stage. You know, there's a moment of I had to respond continually to God calling me, to God drawing me, to God encouraging me, to God saying, this is who I've made you to be. I had to respond in that moment. And there's life when we respond to things. And I discovered this as a parent as well, that my love for Isabella, my love for Heidi, it can't be taken away. It's just like this, there's just a constant, I guess, a constant flow coming from me. But there's a new level of power, a new level of closeness when they respond in response to me. 
that when Isabella grows up and she hears my encouragements and she, and she, um, and she listens to me and wants to spend time with me, there's a new level of power in this relationship. Because God's love, it cannot be separated from you. It'll always come to you. But then, since his generosity, if we return that generosity with our devotion, then there's a power that actually doesn't come to us, but flows through us. That's the power. When we respond, we give life to that thing that we're drawing to. So God has called us as God's people to respond to him. And, and I think that is just the greatest news that he has called us. You know, every belief system in the world and even a lot of the society's um, notions and um, ideologies is like, if you do this, then you deserve this. The beauty of God is he gives us what we don't deserve. He gives us things. He gives us blessing upon blessing, even when we doubt him, even when we don't believe, even when we say things out of turn. He still positions himself as being ready for us to walk right in and receive his goodness and walk in relationship with him. So as God's people, this is how we are. And when we respond to God, and as we live under the open heaven he's calling us to, God's people are first humble people. Um, if you can put that verse up in the message, in um, verse 14. Actually, you can take all four points from this one verse here. So it's very organized, okay? So it's um, verse 14 and num- in Second Chronicles 7. There we go. So am my people, my God-defined people, respond by humbling themselves, praying, seeking my presence, turning their backs on their wicked lives. I'll be ready for you. I'll be there ready for you. God's people are first humble people. You know, we all have this gift, and I don't think we openly talk about it, but this gift called hindsight. Hindsight is something we all have that makes us a little bit wiser. When we look back and see, we look back with perspective and actually see, I could have made that decision better, or I could see how that didn't work out so well, so next time I'm going to do it better. Hindsight is one of these things that makes us a little bit you know, it gives us the cutting edge, as it were, on our thinking. But when I look back and the things that I've dropped out of, the things that I've failed at, and, and just generally speaking, places, times in my life where they just haven't worked out well, I've always seen that there was pride in my heart. You know, and people know I've done martial arts um, quite well, relatively recently, maybe 10 years ago or so, but... Um, when I was in primary school, I did karate. I did it for a few years and I was getting good, but um, I dropped out of that because I didn't do one of the patterns wrong and I got, I got offended and upset and I didn't want to go back. I was, I, was pride, I was prideful, so I didn't want to learn from my mistakes and continue. When I dropped out of university, same thing again. Um, I, I, I didn't want to go to a course because one, I didn't like one of the people I had to do a group assignment with and I was ridiculously lazy. And did I mention I worked in the bar? So it's just like, so I just didn't want to do it. So I dropped out there. Why? Because I was prideful. And I found that pride or arrogance is one way to inoculate or to use the, the phrase that it was given to me is to sterilize my life. That it doesn't produce anything. If I'm prideful, I just don't, I just don't produce anything. And then what I have begins to wither. And it begins to fade away and it begins to die. And this is what erodes our relationships. It erodes, erodes our relationships with God. And erodes our ability to be cohesive and effective in the life that God has called us to. This pride Actually, it begins to, like, it makes us like an island and just cuts off supply routes that actually we need in order to go through. So God's people are humble. 
and humble uh, humility is not just thinking you know dialing da- back in your self-confidence you know like you know you're too outgoing you know dial it back a bit that's that's not what humility is and i liked how brian taylor said it a few years ago he said that um, humility is not seeing less of yourself but seeing yourself less Humility is not seeing less of yourself, because actually if you see yourself as God sees you, you'll see more than yourself. But when it's, it's about seeing yourself less. It's about posturing yourself and planting yourself in the view of how God sees you, rather than the, the view of how you see you. That he doesn't deal with you according to your mistakes or your, your um, apparent inherent strengths or whatever. He deals with you in the light of Jesus and how he, what he did in the cross for you. That's how God sees you. He doesn't see your sin. He doesn't see the things that you do. He sees what Jesus has done in you and for you. He sees the person he created. He sees the person that he loved and went to the cross for. So that's the person when we see ourselves as that, as loved by God, as, as, as forgiven by God. God is blessed by God, and that's what makes us humble. And then we position ourselves in a place where we can grow and flourish. And then we can receive God and walk with God. God's people are first humble people. God's people are also praying people. Now, this series is all about prayer. And, um, it's, and it's something that I, I honestly say is, is something that you cannot live without. Prayer is absolutely fundamental to grow in your, in your life as a Christian and to, and to really put the stamp of authority on everything you do in this life. Prayer is the key to, I would say, everything, actually. And, and what prayer is, is prayer is not just communing to God. You know, um, there's a principle that us pastor preacher types have to know. It's called the principle of first mention. Now, this is where um, a, a phrase or word is used in Scripture the first time, which actually highlights a trend which you'll see all throughout the Bible. Now, where was prayer first mentioned? Prayer was first mentioned by um, God to uh, this guy called Abimelech. Now, Abimelech, to give you a little bit of background without going into too much detail, Abimelech was a guy who um, was a king of this area where Abraham and his wife Sarah are passing through. And, and Abraham lied about the identity of his wife to protect himself for the second time, by the way. Not good relational advice, but don't, like your wife is not your sister. But anyway, Abraham didn't get it the first time. So then he, he lied, and then, it, then Abimelech was, was met by God in a dream. And God said to him, he said to him that if, because I knew that you didn't know, I'm going to withhold this. But he said something quite fascinating. He said, you will go to him, Abraham, and he will pray for you and you shall live. That's the first time prayer is used in the context of life and death. Prayer is life and death. So how is it sometimes when we feel our Christian life is dying? Can I say it's sometimes it's a link to what and how we're praying because prayer is about life and death. See, the word comes from this word called palal, which means to intervene and to make an authoritative judgment. That's what prayer is. We we intervene in circumstances and we make an authoritative judgment. So God, in his love, in his sovereignty, in his supremacy, has limited his involvement in our lives to the willingness and obedience of his people. He doesn't hold the glory all to himself. He wants to bestow it on you and I so we as vice regents in this world can act as he did when he was walking on this earth. 
He didn't want to hold that from us. He wanted to bless us with a gift of prayer, saying that if this is not something that belongs to me, I want you to cast it out. I want you to heal the sick. I want you to open blind eyes. I want you to do these things because this is the identity. This is who we are in God. It's when we're praying people, we are people who shift environments. We are people who shift environments. And that doesn't go from, oh, I've got a bad work situation. No, no, no. It's like, it's like bless the Lord, oh, my soul. I'm going to shift the environment in my own heart. If my faith isn't up to it, I'm going to say, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Forget not all his benefits. I first cast the, the things out of me which aren't, aren't, aren't conducive to the, to the words of God and to the fruitfulness of God. I set the environment in my own heart first. We have the power to pray and to dictate circumstances that when we, are, when we are a praying church, and I really believe that that's why you should come to prayer house, by the way. It's that when we get together and we understand the authority of who we, have and who we are in Jesus Christ, we will see things shift in our lives. We will see broken relationships restored. We will see people who haven't known Jesus to know Jesus and to flow in Jesus and to know who he is. We will see our work situations where we think they're under us. We'll actually be given energy because the Holy Spirit quickens us, King James says, that he will give us strength. That's because when we pray and we dictate, we are, uh, we are above what we were in and then we, we act as God's vice regents because this is who God's people are and we will discover and inherit the things that are ready for us. When we say, that is of God, I possess it now today. Today it is true. Today it is mine. Today I have that promise. God's people are humble. We pray and we also seek. We also seek. And there's something that um, I, uh, you know, I've heard this and maybe you have as well, that, that the longer you are a Christian, the less you mix with people that aren't and, and into lifestyles that aren't. You know, have you heard that as well? But, but I find that Christianity, or, or Christians rather, should be the most inquisitive, the most curious people in the world. And the, the truth is, is that if we believe that God made everything, we want to know how he made everything to be. See, there's this fallacy that think, people think that science is an, is an enemy of God. But actually, science is just discovering how God made things to be. <laughs> and so we want, we want to know about science. We want to know about these things because we're discovering, oh, wow, is that how God made it? There's a, there's a curiosity that comes when we discover who made everything. And when we connect ourselves to God and see, oh, this is how he made things to be, it's like we, we, everything points to the glory of God. So it's like, wow, God, you're so amazing. No mind can conceive that. And that's what we are as people when we seek we're actually, we're actually exploring. And have you ever found that when you're searching things out, it's actually, it's actually an, expression of, it's an expression of hope? When you're looking for something, you're, you're actually expressing a hope in wanting to find something, a longing in wanting to seek something. Jeremiah 13, uh, 29, 13 says that you will seek me and you will find me if you search me with all, for me with all of your heart. There's a, re- there's a return that when we seek, we're actually saying, if we seek God, I expect to see God. I expect to hear from God. I expect to see God move in this circumstance. If I seek him, then I am drawing myself close to him and I'm expecting to hear from him. It's an outworking of how we long for God. And when we long for God, then we'll become more like God. Attaining to the knowledge of
And that makes us so curious. And we want to engage in conversations with people. And we want to see, hey, this is how God you and if you can and if you can seek him you will find him too if you can seek him then you will discover how good he is so when we respond to him it makes us want to know more and i find that in my life where when i um discovered when i discovered you know the power of god in the presence of god in worship as well and and reading the word i just find myself being being filled with a hunger that that just wanted me to know more and I just wanted to go more and there's a thing with things in the world where things in the world have diminished returns you have to get more to get the same feedback but with God it's it's like you want you have more and then you just want more and it's not to get the it's not to get the same you actually get a greater longing and a greater sensitivity and with that comes your power when you seek God you will find God and when you find God, you'll be made more like God. And that's who we are as people. When we are more like God, we will see the impossible things that we face as possible. Because there's nothing impossible with God. We will see those unlovable people as lovable because God's love now resides in us. And when we love God, we see God. And when we know God, that's when we can see people as God sees them. Not how we see them, but how God sees them. That's what makes us a powerful people, discovering that, hey, there are things that God has made ready for you, but when you, it's, it's, they're found in him, not in our feelings or in our emotions. They're found in him. And as I close, God's people are also turning people. Now, I found that there's power in, in how things affect over time. There was a, the way I was thinking about this morning was... Um, if if you have this is a bit mathematical i'm sorry where you have if you have an if you go off angle an angle of like 2 or 3 degrees it's not so bad at 10 meters but if you make that 100 meters or 10,000 meters the the drift is a lot worse isn't it and i found that about turning and as a musician i found i can tune my guitar and play it for a few minutes but then a few minutes later there's something that's not quite off there's something that's not quite right and that's because things often just, they just change over time. And even when you're driving your car, it's, well, even when you're driving down a straight road, you're constantly making little adjustments. T- like turning is absolutely fundamental if we need to get to where you're going. Now, if I can put back up on the screen again, Second um, Chronicles 7 and 14, it says here, turning from their, turning from their wicked turning their backs on their wicked lives now <laughs> that sounds a bit harsh but and, and i really thought like wicked lives like how can you like that's not the most hopeful thing you can hear right but but i really thought about this and it's like god was saying to me wickedness starts when it becomes more about our will than god's will it starts very small it's always subtle it's never like glaringly obvious, you know, not like the distance between Aberdeen and Dover. It's never like that. It's just subtle. Maybe it's just like, okay, maybe you can get something here and that's where it starts. And if you project that over, say, a month or a year, five years, and you're in a completely different place than you thought you would be. It's a little turn in the heart. 
We have to make constant adjustments. And it says they're turning back on their wicked lives. In other words, I'm not going to you know, go autopilot now, like receive Jesus. Now I don't need Jesus anymore. No, no, we need Jesus every day. We need Jesus to realign with our hearts and realign our hearts with him. So then we're always got a true bearing. We're not, we're not veering off to the left or to the right. We're actually seeing this is where I'm turning. This is where I'm going based on who God is. And my identity is not found in seeking my own will because if I project that out over, say, a year or, or 10 years, I'll look back and say, I don't have the same joy I did when I was back there. Have you been there? Have you been there with me? Like where you've gone over a month or something, and you're like, I'm, I'm not hearing God anymore or, or I, haven't, I haven't heard from God anymore in, in a while or, man, I've just had... I just keep struggling with the same things over and over again. It's just, maybe it started back there, and now we're over here when we should be over here. And if I can get keys on, please. Thanks, Heidi. But then the beauty is, is when we turn. Now, when we turn, this is, this is the greatest thing. that When I remember said the power of today, it doesn't matter where you're going, God has granted you with the ability to turn. He has given you a grace which enables you to turn from wherever you think you are feeling or where you're going, what you did last week. It does not matter. You are free to turn. And you know what happens when you turn? That God will be there ready for you. God will be there ready for you when you turn. When you'll turn, there's no power in your past And there's a true or a new projection of your future because you've made the turn. The power is in the turn. When you connect to God, turn as he says to turn, and you'll find yourself, like Cap was saying, no, it was uh, Yeah, Cap was saying, trust in the Lord, lean not on your understanding, in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. That's done by the turn. That's done by turning to him. I'm not going to go my own way. I'm going to want what you want for me, God. And I'm going to turn because that is where I'm going to get the true bearing. That is when I'm going to inherit the promises. And I'm going to turn from my ways, which aren't as high as your ways, because you made me. And I'm going to turn as you have called me to turn. And when I turn, I know where I'm going will be blessed. I know where I'm going will be fruitful. I know where I'm going will be a land of prosperity, of milk and honey. And I will inherit the promises. Why? Because it's not me that's made the promises. It is God who has made the promises. And when you turn to him, this is when the power flows in and through your life. It's in the turn. When we turn our hearts to him, we are refreshed. We are restored and we are rejuvenated. We, we, we're like illuminated. And it's like, we actually find ourselves turning back the years that, that we feel the locusts has eaten. We feel like we're like 10, 15 years younger when we turn back to God. Why? Because in his presence is fullness of life, is joy, is power, is peace, is love. We can't exhaust ourselves when we're in the presence of a God who doesn't even age. How amazing is that, that he grants us with the ability to turn back to him. Now, wherever you are and wherever you've been from, right now, you can turn to God. Whatever lifestyle you've lived, busyness, whatever, today I've set before you life and good you can choose that life.
You can choose a life with Jesus. You can choose a life of prosperity. You can choose a life of authority and power. You could choose a life of humility where people look at you and they are drawn to you, not because of anything you are, because of everything God is in you. Today, you don't have to be the same as you've been for weeks or months or maybe even decades. Today is a new day. Today I can say I choose God. Today when you choose God, he is there ready for you. You feel you lack confidence? Can I say you lack the presence of God? Turn to him and he will make your path straight. Turn to him. He'll make your feet like deer's feet. He will restore your youth like the eagles. When you turn to him, he will give you that life, that 10-10 life that you have have blessing and blessing of abundance life and a life of abundance when you turn to him the power is in the turn the power is in responding to him and as you respond to him you'll be able to change the environments around your life and stand with me as the band joins me thanks for listening if you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.